are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePetro Show. Well, good afternoon. Right now it is 106 and you're listening to The John DePetro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. Folks, this portion of our program on this uh, sunny Wednesday, you just heard, God is good. What a uh, beautiful day outside. This portion of the program, folks, it's right by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. A great meal right now. Right now, you are on your way. You're riding along 146, and you could pop in for a nice lunch at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. All right, I want to get you up to speed on all the news of the day. How about the fact there was a terrible situation in Philadelphia last night? Three police officers. I want to see if I have some sound on that. They have a um, terrible crime problem in Philadelphia. The shootings are just unbelievable. Uh, I think it's right now, it's the top, it's the top uh, homicide. Most homicides are are right now in the in the entire country right now is in Phil, um, in Philadelphia. So I also want to um. There's a couple of stories we're looking at. I'm going to play. Mayor Fung was on Fox News. They did a nice story on his race, which is big. We're also seeing. But let me get to the Philadelphia thing. I just want to check that. Boy, that is. Um, that is really, really tough. Um, let me just find that. Philly cops. I think, the, right? Weren't three police shot? Three Philly cops were shot. Whew. Terrible. That is... Um, hmm. SWAT was on location to serve a warrant. All right, let me. I just want to get the details on this and see if we have some sound. I think we do. Philly, Philly SWAT. Yeah, three Philadelphia police officers serving an arrest warrant were shot and wounded. The suspect was killed. That was early this morning. Oh, okay. We do have some sound. Let me play this. Three police shot and wounded. This is, um, let me hear a little bit of this. Okay. We had officers fired upon in East Division, um, and now we have officers that are shot. Uh, this is something that these officers sign up to do a job, is to protect and serve, but not to take gunfire. And, and at some point, it comes enough. And, and I think we've already passed that point where, where it's enough. And, and we need that anger to, to resonate across the citizens of this city as well, because it's not a day that goes by that we don't either have a child that's shot or multiple people shot because there are too many people that are out, out here carrying guns and they, they don't have consequences. And so some of these people need to be in jail. And that's the bottom line. And that's the consistent thing that we keep seeing. And again, I'll leave you all to pointing the fingers, but the bottom line is that some people need to be in jail. And this is ridiculous. I mean, this you is- know, I don't, I don't blame them. See, this is where the judges are letting people out, the no-cash bail. Two of the three Philadelphia SWAT officers shot while serving a warrant expected to release from the hospital. The third's undergoing further tests. All right, let's get to uh, some of the more news of the day in local. I want to just see. I don't. I don't think that we're seeing that Governor McKee is. Um, I don't. I haven't seen that he's doing anything today. He's certainly not doing a victory lap after that debate last night. Uh, let me just double check. Let's see. Um, everyone is saying that they clashed during the debate. Uh, let me also get to what is this? Uh, Ted Nisi's uh, mentioning a story in the Wall Street Journal about Emerald Square Mall. And North Attleboro's Emerald Square Mall, the literal poster symbol of all U.S. malls, is in decline. And this is all about Providence Place. One-third vacant. 
Massachusetts Mall shows why regional operators are in a bind. Hmm. I'll, I'll look for that. Well, maybe I can pull it up right now. One third vacant. See, this. why, why should Providence Place Mall get? I mean, they, they, that, that the model is shopping center recently sold for a fraction of its value. The only mall in this former manufacturing town, North Attleboro, recently sold for a fraction. Uh, regional malls are sitting out a broader recovery in retail real estate. The previous, this is in the Wall Street Journal, the previous owner of Emerald Square Mall, one million square feet. I, I still remember when it opened. It was a huge deal. And features stores such as Victoria's Secret and Macy's defaulted on a $94 million on $94 million of debt in mid-2020. That marked the largest loss recorded on a loan secured in the last dozen years. The retail investment group, Shopping Mall Investment Company, that owns more than five dozen, recently acquired Emerald Square Mall for $29 million they bought it. Listen to this, folks. The property was valued at $167 million in 2012. It was just sold for $29 million. Wow. Once a bustling shopping hub, the three-level Emerald Square Mall is now 65% occupied. Long stretches of vacant storefronts. Sears, which had operated one of the mall's anchors for more than three decades, closed last year and the space remains empty. The firm's chief executive said he would give priority to filling the empty space non-retail tenants such as call centers, medical offices, and fitness. Tenants that bring more traffic into the mall. God, the total number of U.S. malls has declined an estimated 2,580s to 700 today. Many were turned into open-air retail, an expensive, difficult undertaking that often takes decades. Some were demolished. Others remain standing but aren't operating and stand as vacant ghost towns. Hey, Rhode Island, Midland Mall was like that for quite some time. Uh, many malls are struggling because their anchor tenants, departments are seeing declining market share. Built in 1989, I was right, Emerald Square Mall sits at the intersection, two major highways. You know, I remember when it opened, a friend of mine in the 90s was saying that Rhode Island had basically terrorism on both borders. Foxwoods Casino draining us to the south and Emerald Square Mall to the north. Um, it was a, a good attempt, but... Sits in the two major highways, less than 20 miles from Providence, an hour's drive from Boston. Its slow decline frustrates town officials count on the mall as the city's largest property taxpayer. We want to want it to grow up and become what it's going to be next, said the town manager. They suggested knocking down the former Sears and build affordable housing, updating the food court, wooing a minor league hockey team. Well, you already have the pre-Bruins. And marketing the third floor space for life science and other non-retail, non-retail uses. Some regional malls elsewhere are undergoing significant overhauls. One of them recently closed a $100 million deal. Build 2,000 apartment units, hotel, and new retail. I think they're going to have to start getting people living there. Especially, like Providence Place Mall. It makes the, you know, the formula is is not working. If you go to Lincoln Mall, you pull right up in front of the store you want to go in and shop there. And that's why people like the formula of Garden City. People don't like the mall formula anymore. I mean, that formula is just not, it's, it's, it's over. It's over. Shopping mall investment owns more than five, 29 million, valued at 167 million 10 years ago. <laughs> that is, that's headed in the wrong direction. Wow. And you wonder how much, you know, so they bought it at that, but what could they maybe have gotten it for? I mean, there, there were people that balked at paying that. No, that is. That is over. The, the Garden City model, the Garden City model is, I, I believe that's, that's what people want. Much like, as I stated, um, 
Lincoln Mall. That is, um, that's tough. But that, that, see, that gives you an example of exactly the situation that they're in right now. Regional operators are in a bind is a is an understatement for crying out loud. <laughs> I can't believe how much though. Wow. Hey, 29 million. Maybe that's a, a, a good deal. They, the, the people in North Attleboro, they wanted to move on. And, and But this business, said everybody is talking about, you know, they're saying maybe a minor league hockey team. Well, what about the P Bruins? You, you know, everything can't be, um, everything can't be, and then where are they going to play? That you, you need an ice rink's expensive for crying out loud. So, all right, I want to get to Mayor Fung was on Fox News this morning uh, with Dana Perino and Bill Hemmer, and very good uh, appearance by him. They're also aware of his wife, Barbara Ann Fenton Fung. So, but the fact they're focusing on the race is uh, interesting. Let me uh, play this. Here we go. Also, the Republican Party thinks that you can win this race. What do you feel this morning? Hey, good morning, Dana and Bill. Yes, we will win this race and we will make history and bring back a Republican voice, not just in Rhode Island, but a Republican voice in all of New England where there's not a single one of us in the House right now. I'm excited for this opportunity. As you saw from my commercial, I'm talking about the issues that are on people's minds at their doors, at fairs and festivals. And it's this cost of living crisis, particularly the energy crisis that we're facing up in New England, all across the country because of these failed Democratic policies by President Biden and this Congress led by Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We have to turn around and we will turn around in 27 more days. It's exciting. I'm having fun on the campaign trail talking about the issues. You saw the release about my energy plan, but it's also about safe communities and people can find out more as we roll them out on fungforri.com. Oh, okay, so look, you're up against it, right? You know that. There are many more Democrats who live in your district than Republicans. But uh, Rhode Island closes early in the night. If you were to win, you're, you're like the canary in the coal mine because you're going to forecast what's happening in many districts across the country. Um, I, I'm sure you see it that way. But, but what would explain why you would be able to have a fighting chance in a district where Republicans haven't won in years? I'm excited because, you know, my opponent isn't talking about what's uh, his plans to tackle this cost of living crisis, whereas I am. I've got a plan to battle inflation, you know, drive it down. I've got a plan for energy. I've got a plan to make sure our communities are safe. My Democratic opponent is just talking about these cookie cutter issues, trying to scare people about, you know, taking away Social Security. I've got a mother that's on Social Security, retired. You know, I know and can empathize with, you know, people like her and millions of other families, fathers and daughters, uh, fathers and uh, mothers, as well as grandparents are going through every single day. And this is why, you know, uh, we're talking about not just what I did to turn our state's second largest city around. People know my track record of taking a city that was in the red and making it one of the best cities to live. People know that I'm focused on them and what we need to do to turn not only the district around, but our state and our country around and make us energy independent again, focus on the economy, do what's right to drive down this inflation and make sure that we're safe in our home. That was my track record as mayor. And that's what I want to do down in Washington, D.C., bring common sense solutions to all of us and fix this economy. Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey and a presidential candidate himself, he campaigned with you yesterday and he said this to Fox News, that as a blue state governor, I can relate to the idea that you need to work with everybody. You need to listen to all voices and try to bring people together. He says that's what you do. Interesting, though, you talked about home. Let's talk about your home. I, I believe it's your wife that has actually already made history in politics in your state. Tell us about her. 
Yeah. And I'm very proud of my wife. Yep. First time in 114 years. Last election cycle, she took out the Democratic Speaker yep. of the House. So, you know, we met because of politics, because both of us were delegates back in 2012. Met down in Tampa, Florida. Got married. But we're both sharing. You know, she's doing a lot of wonderful things, fighting for us up at that state house, being, you know, uh, you know, solid up there, providing a counterbalance to this overspending. Uh, and that's what I hope to do down in Washington, D.C. We're a great team working together. Hopefully both of us are uh, making history. Yeah, well, she did. She, she took out um, the first person in 114 years yes. to defeat an incumbent speaker in the said, chamber. Dana. So you've got a formidable household. We look yeah. forward to watching you on election night, and please stay in touch. So, uh, thank you. Just polls close at 8 o'clock, right, Rhode Island? Correct. Yes, 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 they do. In 27 more days, we're going to work hard. Right. And but that do they count line. fast or slow? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to count those uh, mail ballots and early Sorry. voting votes, too, which we're out there working right. hard to make yep. sure that we're going to be in this game all the way through. Alan, basically, he's trying to plan what his night is going to be like at yeah. the board. So <laughs> they're going to watch that. What I like about that, and that was uh, Cranston Mayor Alan Funk on Fox News this morning. What I like about that is there what he was trying to get at, folks. Good afternoon at one twenty-two. That was Bill Hemmer with Dana Prino. He's the he's the one that does he operates the board. John King on CNN is very very effective with that. But what what there it's now kind of on his radar that this is a race to watch. And what you heard was was basically Bill Hemmer was kind of telegraphing. That that this is a race that he feels could be reflecting, you know, nationally what's going on. That that's why I think, you know, that's why he was interested in this whole thing. So he wanted to um, get a sense of, you know, so when do the the polls close? I mean, that's that's what that was all about. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show at 123 on this Wednesday, I can't stress enough again, Ashley Kalis, that was a really very impressive performance. It was not easy. And now she's going to turn around. Governor McKee will be at her. Uh, he'll be ready for her. And they're, they're definitely, I, I think, as gas prices start to go up, I think they need to make more of the connection of President Biden and, and Dan McKee. And that's not easy to do. That's not e- that it, It's not easy to link the two of them like that. This portion of our program at 123 on this Wednesday is brought to you by AtMed Urgent Care. The next time you have an emergency, contact AtMed Urgent Care today. Two locations, Johnston, East Greenwich, Johnston 1524, Atwood Avenue in Johnston, and East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. They specialize in ambulatory medicine, comprehensive outpatient health care, families and their providers, cost-efficient health care alternative, hospital-based emergencies. It's AtMed Urgent Care, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries. They also do laboratory drug testing, adult vaccinations, and at AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions if someone has COVID. Folks, that's where you want to go in an emergency, AtMed Urgent Care, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson, and also 5750 Post Road East Greenwich. They have doctors, nurses, they're open seven days a week, and what I like about it, I have visited both in emergency, is they they see, you'll, you'll be seen by a doctor in less than 30 minutes, AtMed Urgent Care. You know, the more I think of it at 125 on this Wednesday, Governor McKee, I I wonder how much him being governor, how much it has benefited him. I mean, we're never going to know the answer to that. But some of the things he's involved in, it definitely helped him win the primary. But at the same time, how people viewed him as this education lieutenant governor, former mayor of Cumberland, he's he has definitely taken on 
some baggage. Channel 12 has a piece. He's one of the least popular governors in the country. I mentioned this yesterday, but he's more popular than he was. He's more popular than he was. Some Ashley Kalis. Let's just look at the calendar right now. Today is Wednesday, October 12th. So early voting starts. They have another debate tomorrow night, but a lot of people are not going to really see that debate. So, but it's still a good, it's the two of them at Rhode Island College. And early voting starts next Wednesday. So the question is, she has, Ashley Kalis has three solid weeks. Three solid weeks including the rest of this week, to make her case. I'm pretty sure the Channel 10 debate is, let me double check, it's either November 2nd or 3rd. It's the final. Now, that's towards the end. We don't know where the race is going to be. Governor McKee has agreed to three debates. So, two television, and then he's doing the uh, public radio uh, debate with the Providence Journal. So I want to just, um, I want to see, I think Channel 10, they, I thought they had it posted when their debate is. And I just want to see if they included it in their story about the truck tolls. Um, I'm going to play their story on it. Well, they don't. All right. Well, again, I, that is not a business-friendly... No, they don't even have audio. All right. Well, that's not a business-friendly decision. That is not Governor McKee announcing that he's going to appeal the decision on the truck tolls. That is, that is not a business-friendly decision. Now, I did a story, let's see, Monday night on the situation, right? Or was it last night? No, Monday night in Cranston about that Governor McKee wants to um, put all these homeless in Cranston now with these pallet housing. And he's talking about starting off with 500. That, that's a lot. That's 500 homeless people he wants to ship to Cranston. So I did a story about it on Facebook Live, and uh, now Channel 12 did it. I want to hear the Channel 12 story on this. I'm going to wear... If some people are in favor of this. City Councilman Matthew Riley sent a letter to Governor McKee in opposition after the mayor, Ken Hopkins, revealed that a member of McKee's team had floated the idea of using the space for that purpose. 12 News reporter Alexandra Leslie got answers on what was discussed and joins us live in studio with the details, new at 5. Last month, McKee's office announced $3.5 million would be awarded to six community organizations that would add 231 beds to the statewide homeless shelter capacity. The governor said at an unrelated event this morning that a proposal to add pallet shelters at the Pastore complex, though, was not accurate. In late September, the Department of Housing said it expected to announce further awards related to shelter expansion in the coming weeks. Governor McKee said today that it would not include adding pallet shelters, but that his administration was looking at all options. Yeah, some of them are being uh, you know, embraced and others aren't, so we're, we need the assistance of the municipalities. A statement from Rhode Island's Housing Secretary goes on to say while there are no current plans to install such units at the Pastori Center in Cranston, it was one of several potentially suitable sites we have visited to explore the feasibility of utilizing pallet shelters. All discussions with municipal officials in Cranston and elsewhere have been preliminary and no decisions have been made. It's not clear where exactly the units could have been placed. McKee's Republican opponent for governor, Ashley Kalis, slammed the Democrat for not already having a plan in place in October. He's been able to plan for this for the last year and and now, here we are again with no plan and no way to shelter these individuals. Preliminary or not, Cranston's mayor and some city councilors tell me they don't even want to entertain the idea, which is technically on state land. So that's something that can go under the radar until the construction starts. So we need to be active because we've been in this position before where everything is just quote-unquote preliminary until until the uh, things start getting built. Mayor Kenneth Hawkins says the city has already done its fair share of hosting state programs and facilities, including Harrington Hall, the state's largest men's shelter. We don't want any more, and we will rally the troops if we have to to keep this from coming to our city. 
A spokesperson on behalf of Crossroads, which manages Harrington Hall within the Pastoral Complex, tells me Crossroads has no involvement in a potential new housing project there, and that its focus is on connecting people who are sheltered with permanent housing. Live in studio, Alexandra Leslie, 12 News. Now that is an example, folks, <clears throat> that that's exactly what the McKee people are going to do until they got caught. Until they got caught. They, they were going to plop down this McKeeville with all these homeless people. And somebody made a mistake. And it kind of then, you know, um, the cat was out of the bag a little bit. I want to hear, I think Channel 12 has a political analyst break down the, the debate from last night. Oh, Joe Fleming was in studio with Channel 12 this morning. Folks, good afternoon at one thirty-one. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to hear his take on this. Yeah, let's hear this. This is uh, Joe Fleming was in studio with uh, Channel 12. Last night, we're getting you back with us this morning. Thanks for joining us, Joe. We're showing the high-octane caffeine this morning. Quick turnaround. Candidates covered a lot of ground last night. Only had an hour to get their message across. They had a game plan when they came in. Do you think each of them executed it? I think each did execute a game plan. Ashley Kalis was going after Dan McKee, trying to get him on the defensive, talked about energy rates, ILO, test scores, raises for his cabinet. So she was on him, on him, on him. Dan McKee, on the other hand, basically kept himself more neutral, more uh, monotone. Mm-hmm. He didn't let her get under his skin. I think that was part of their game plan. He stuck to his issues. He hit back at her about becoming, you know, just into Rhode Island recently. So I think they both got what they wanted her. I think she had a little slight advantage due to the fact that she was really on him most of the debate. You know, I think it's pretty clear that Rhode Island voters have spoken saying, you know, the cost of living is their right. top concern without a doubt. So the candidates did talk about the electric rate increase that's right. taking effect. So who do you think made the better argument about how Rhode Islanders could be helped through this higher bill crisis well, here. Obviously, Rhode Island's love to see the rates not go up, and mm-hmm. she's saying there's ways to do that. So I think people respond to that. Dan McCann, he's saying, look, at we're taking step A, B, C, and D already to control the rates. We want to take even more. So they both made their case on what they're trying to do. But I think, you know, when you're saying you're going to stop the increase overall, that's more appealing to the voters. All right, Joe. So this is uh, Ashley Kalis's first uh, attempt at a run for a public office. Uh, a few times last night, the governor said she doesn't understand how things work, referring to the state budget, setting the electric rates. How much weight should voters give his experience and give the fact that he's only been on the job for, what, a year and a half now? Right. Right. He's been a former lieutenant governor, former mayor, so he knows the inner workings of government. A first-time candidate who has never held public office isn't going to know all the inner works of government. But people don't always take that as the main reason why they're going to vote for them. Sometimes they think experience is important. Other times they just want to see a change. They want somebody who can come in there and shake things up. That's what she's trying to come across as, a person who can shake things up. All right, so early on, Ashley Kalis, I mean, we're talking like the first time that she spoke last night. She went after the governor on the FBI investigation into that controversial contract awarded to ILO Group right. regarding education. We also heard that from, uh, from the governor's opponents in the primary as well. So does that line of attack seem to be really resonating with voters? Right now, I don't think it really has because it was tried in the primary. Mm-hmm. It didn't work in the primary. It's being tried again right now. I think what Ashley Kalis thinks is that's an issue that can get under the Dan McKee's skin, and you can rile Dan McKee on that issue. But the actual voters, they're more concerned with the price of gasoline and groceries right now mm-hmm. than the ILO contract. Also concerned about education. That's always yes. a big topic. Uh, last night, the RICAS exams, the results. Yep. So that topic came up. Uh, they were supposed to come out this month, but the release has been pushed back until after the election. Mm-hmm. Ashley Kalis accusing the governor of holding those scores hostage. So how do you think they each handled that issue? Well, again, there's been other years where the scores have been held back. The one thing Dan McKee did say was, look, I expect the scores to be horrible. There was another COVID year last year, so we're not going to have good scores. I mean, she's trying to get out there knowing the scores are going to be bad. She can use that as an issue. So she's going to keep pushing that over the next three or four weeks that the scores should be released. But again, no one thinks the scores are going to improve. They know they're going to be really low because of COVID. So, I mean, they both have their points. All right. Speaking of points, you know, McKee is up about 10 points in the latest poll, so it should be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. Yes. I mean, there's been two polls up now. He's up by 10 to 13 points in the Mm. polls. She has to do a lot of work in the next four weeks in order to close that gap. It's not an easy gap to close. He's doing extremely well in District 1, so that's going to be a key. All right, Joe. You're awesome on five hours sleep. (laughs) Great job. You know, I I think, um, and again, folks, uh, good afternoon. 
at 135. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I think Joe Fleming was, um, I thought he was a little uh, generous with Governor McKee did not look good. He looked sickly last night. He, he needs to feel better. He, his demeanor was not, he, he did not have a good night. And what the FBI thing does is it does, it's, it's a weak point, as it would be for anyone. Um, it's a way to knock them off stride. You can, I think, as I've seen it now, he cringes when it's mentioned. He mentions that she has it in her commercials. For those that were unaware of that, they know it after he keeps saying that. It's not a positive. It, it, it is effective to throw him off and when she kept doing it. And she did come right out of the box. So is there enough, is there enough time? I, you know, the, the information that shows she really has to do better in the northern part of the seat. Without question. The Kalis campaign, they have to increase their presence. I, I, believe, I would think East Providence, Woonsocket, Cumberland, Pawtucket, Lincoln, Smithfield, North Smithfield. It, she's got to increase her presence in the northern part of the state. They're, they're almost tied in Congressional District 2. But she's got to, she's going to get beat. But she can't get beat as badly as she's getting beat. Governor Dan McKee, who has maintained a successful strategy in his political career, he did it as lieutenant governor, and then he did it in the Democrat primary. He does that Blackstone Valley corridor pretty well. She may not beat him, but she just can't get beat as badly as she's getting beaten. Governor McKee has been elected lieutenant governor and then won that primary on his ability to garner votes in Woonsocket, Cumberland, Pawtucket, Central Falls, Providence, East Providence. Now, I, I, I'm well aware you then have the rest of the East Bay, but the, the most votes are right, those areas that I just mentioned. North Providence, she's got to do better. If she could do better there, for instance, hear me out, in CD2, Congressional District 2, Cranston, Warwick, Coventry, West Warwick, North Kingstown, the like East Greenwich, Narragansett, they're basically tied, 42, 42, right around there. Now, she could get a bump because Fung is doing well. And she needs to convert the Fung voters to become Kalis voters. Right now in CD1, according to this Boston Globe poll, Governor McKee's beating her 51 to 31. She needs to have him, and that's not good, but literally drop 10 points. And she needs to go up 10 points. He may still win. Maybe he just wins. 45, 35, but she can't lose 51 to 31. So maybe him coming down 10 points is too high, but there's a 20 point gap. So if he comes down five and she goes up five, it could be losing to him in CD one, Congressional District one. 45 to 35 might be okay if she can make it up and run up the score and really she's got to beat him in CD2, Congressional District 2. But at the very least, she can't get blown out by 20 to maybe not win. You know, Governor McKee didn't win all those places, but he performed well. I don't think he's going to pick up any votes. Seth Magazina hurts him in CD2, and Biden hurts him. She's got to find a way 
to boost her turnout, appeal, and numbers in the first district. I think for the next two weeks, she needs to continue to have a strong presence in Lincoln, North Providence, Smithfield, Socket, Cumberland, Pawtucket, Providence, Central Falls, East Providence. Nine communities. She's got to make it happen. And, and Johnston's winnable. I think Fung could win Johnston. She should carry Johnston. Possible. Possible to carry Johnston. I remember in 2002, Governor, Governor uh, Kachiri beat Mirth York in Woonsocket and in North Providence. And I, I interviewed Sheldon Whitehouse after that. And he had lost, obviously, to Mirth York in the primary. But it was, it was a three-person primary. It was Tony Pyers, Mirth York, and Sheldon Whitehouse. And Sheldon told me at the time, I would have won Woonsocket and North Providence. She lost those two areas. Folks, right now at 141, and I'm going to touch on something else in just a moment uh, that's important. But this portion of our program, you know, it's another sunny day. Pop in and see our friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Number one, you shop local. Number two, she has great merchandise and products. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, It's My Health. Vitamins, herbal remedies. She has delicious tea, bulk herbs, teas and spices, hemp and CBD products. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Now, at 142, a problem, by the way, all hell is breaking loose in uh, in Russia and Ukraine right now. And, and, and Biden's got to do something that basically OPEC, the Saudis are stabbing us in the back and they're signing on with Putin. They're reaching out to Putin. Ukraine claims new gains after days of massive strikes. Russia's search for um, Kremlin taps General Armageddon. World must be ready for nuclear war. I don't understand this stuff about um, Elon Musk talking to Putin. But uh, let's see. Wholesale prices rise more than expected as inflation stays hot. Wall Street fear gauge flashes another warning. Demand for riskier home loans high as rates soar. That whole thing with Tucker Carlson and Kanye West, I, I don't, that does not sound positive. He said some pretty questionable things they edited out. Um, Outrage Biden team vows consequence for Saudis over the OPEC cut will reevaluate ties. Congress eyeing no PEC bill. Questions swirling about who will buy $31 trillion of U.S. debt. <laughs> Top Republican megadonor to stay neutral in 2024 primary. Now, but I want to um, touch on something. And also Giselle is now speaking out. Saying inconsistent partner. Uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting Tom Brady's... Um, football season. But I want to touch on right now. So you have Governor McKee is debating Ashley Kalis. But you have some other statewide races and Seth Magaziner. Seth Magaziner is very anxious to debate Alan Fung. And I think that's like a kiff what you wish for. Because Alan Fung is going to hold his own on a debate stage. He is a tough candidate to knock out. So there's that. But let's look at some of the other races. Now, Right now, you have a situation where you have a, a candidate for lieutenant governor, Republican, and he's trying to get a debate with Sabina Matos. But she's not going to debate him because they're hiding her. If anything, the McKee people are not even, they wouldn't even let her debate. The only way she would debate lieutenant governor is if she's afraid she's going to lose the race. If Governor McKee... Suddenly a poll came out that showed that he could lose. Then he would want to debate Ashley Kalis. But right now, they have three debates, and I'm not convinced there'll be a fourth. One's already in the books. There's two debates left for governor. 
Now, you also have the general treasurer race. I don't know what's going on with that. That's what's called a down-ballot race, and it's tough to get attention on. You have Secretary of State, our friend Pat Cordelessa, trying to get more debates. And then you have Chaz Kalenda is running against Attorney General Pino Nerona. And again, I don't think Nerona is giving him one debate. So, but here's, here's the situation, and it's different for every office. If you're running for office, I think here's what doesn't, here's what doesn't work, is you just keep saying that the person won't debate you. It doesn't work. It, you, you have to make people care about the race, and you have to draw out your opponent. So as far as the lieutenant governor race, and I, I, quite frankly, I'm not convinced right now that it is a race. Because unless, and I know Aaron, and I like Aaron, and I'm, I'm going to vote for him. But unless they do something to change the dynamic, she, she's not coming out of the woodwork. She's going to stay hidden. She's not, she, she, I don't think she has any intention of, as far as, in, in the lieutenant governor, Sabina Matos, she, she is, it needs to be flush out that I think that she, in essence, uh, number one, she, she doesn't have leadership ability. She also wanted to defund the police on the Providence City Council, but she, she has trouble with English as her second language. And that's why they don't want her to debate. I'm not being mean, and it's not racist. I'm just pointing out facts. She has struggled. So they need to do something. But the only way, you can't just keep saying she's not going to debate. You got to kind of flesh her out a little bit. You have to, and I'm not saying it's easy. But you need to cause a reason for the media to care about the race. The media wanted to cover the race. She needs to take a hit. And then, then and only then, I think, could you try to get where if they felt they were in danger of losing, they would put her out there to debate. But if you just keep saying, my opponent won't debate, my opponent won't debate, that they're not going to. That's not going to work. Now, I want to play for you. This was on NBC News last night. There's a really very interesting race going on for Senate. Dr. Oz is on the heels of this lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. Fetterman agreed to sit down with this reporter from NBC News. I want to play the audio of this because it's it's really Senator, remarkable to listen to. Read our questions as we ask them. And Lester, in small talk before the interview, without captioning, it wasn't clear he was understanding our conversation. The guy, he can't hear. Can voters trust that you will be able to do this job on day one? Listen to this. Yeah, of, of course. This is Pennsylvania Democratic Senate candidate John Fetterman's first in-person sit-down interview since the stroke sidelined him from the campaign trail for months. That auditory processing where I'll I'll hear someone speaking, but sometimes it'll be be, uh, precise on what exactly that they're saying. I use captioning. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic. uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of stroke. Empathetic. Yeah. I, I always thought I was very empathetic uh, before having a stroke. But now after having that stroke, I really understand, you know, much more kind of the challenges that Americans have day in and day out. So you say you're on the road to full recovery. But right now, voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? That shows what she's saying. That's why it's a delay. I I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways when our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve 
and to, to be uh, running. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? Being on in front of thousands and thousands of, of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's, it's really the issue. Polls show Fetterman's lead is shrinking against Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz. It's now a toss-up race that could determine control of the Senate. Republicans focusing on crime. In particular, Fetterman's votes on the parole board. Fetterman says he's trying to get as many criminals out of prison as he can. Including votes in favor of paroling convicted murderers. Are you soft on crime? Uh, of course not. I'm actually effective on crime, and I believe in second chances, uh, and I've run on that record. Meanwhile, Fetterman going after Dr. Oz on abortion rights. Dr. Oz likes to make fun of me that I might miss a word, but, you know, he's missed, you know, two words, and that is a yes or no on the national abortion uh, ban. If you're going to be our next senator, you have to give the answer. Lester Fetterman told us he is committed to debating Dr. Oz on October 25th, where he will also be using closed captioning. You know, that is, um, again, what, what I found most dramatic about that is the part where that, I mean, he, he, can't, he can't have a conversation. I bet they must have been livid that the reporter even mentioned that they were trying to have a conversation with him prior to the interview. That it was clear that he could not understand what they were saying. You know what else I just saw? ABC6 has a story. William Sequoia, suspected of robbing of several bank robberies in Boston Fall River, previously told an officer that Ben Affleck made a movie in which the main character was based on him. He was also on Court in Providence. I've never heard of this guy before. Surveillance photo of William Sequoia appeared on Court in Providence, robbing a bank. Happened September September 26th on Rod, Roadman Street in Fall River. Bank employee told a man wearing a white white man face covering approached the teller demanded money from the cash drawer. The man identified as William Sequoia left the bank with an undisclosed amount. The sergeant said the major crime shared photos in hopes of identifying them. Um, an officer from special operation identified key characteristics resembling Resembled a man <laughs> that he that they were familiar with. Um, he recalled them. A male told him that Ben Affleck made a movie, The Town, which the main character was based on him. He had also been on an episode of Caught in Province. The officer watched several episodes. They were to identify him. <laughs> so he was arrested that day by the FBI. <laughs> so this guy said, hey, yeah, I was... Uh, I was on Caught in Providence, and I, I'm, that's who Ben Affleck is talking about in the movie The Town. And then as a result of that, they go back, watch it, and then they peer it up, and it turns out that it is the same guy. Wow. A member of the, oh, what was the email I just got? Uh, let's see. I'm living with Socket, maybe, and I know no one's supporting my kid. Well, well, yeah, but he, it can't be that, that no, I mean, that's like the people that say, I've never been called for a poll. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's no poll. Um, she's, she's not polling well in the Northern District. She needs to spend more time up there. I'm not convinced she's going to win, but she needs to not get blown out the way she's getting blown out. She needs to figure out a way to she her numbers need to go up. So I I, I never they, these people that um how about that Robert Kraft donated fifty million to Massachusetts General Hospital. This business of um no one I know is voting for the person. Well, I mean that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Then then you're not interacting with people who disagree with you. So. I've had people, no one I know is voting for Lorza. Yeah, and he was just elected mayor twice in the city of Providence. It's, um, oh, let me say this. Another national forecast shift its rating. Crystal Ball now calls Fung a toss-up. 
We find it increasingly difficult to justify a Lee's Democrat rating in a district. He now has led a couple of recent polls, both sides are spending money. So that's another, there's all kinds of these national polls. Crystal Ball is apparently another one. And um, four weeks to go. And they're changing some ratings. CD2, the Langevin seat, old rating leans Democrat. They've now put that to toss up. And just to give you an idea, in Colorado, they had leans Republican. They moved that to toss up. In Wisconsin, they had leans Republican. Now they have likely Republican. What, what Mayor Fung wants the shift to become is likely Republican. Some, for instance, uh, this crystal ball, they do gubernatorial rating changes. Old, road, old rating, likely Democrat. New rating, safe Democrat. I don't think Fung is ever going to get safe Republican. I don't think so. <clears throat> the, the titles they use are like leans, likely, safe, likely. So... For instance, I'm looking at some of the other districts. They had likely Democrat, now it's safe Democrat. Leans Democrat, likely Democrat. Safe Republican, likely Republican. And these Senate races, I don't think they've changed any of those. If Oz can pull off Pennsylvania, that's big. That guy, Fetterman, is not, he is not up to the job at all. So Fung is going from, that had been lean Democrat to now toss-up. So that's a positive because... Others have gone from toss-up to lean Republican. But there have been two polls now. Two polls. Of this. That's interesting. With the um, two polls now that show Fung leading in that. Biden job approval. 55% disapprove. They've got to do something. I mean, I, that needs to be, Ashley Kalis has got to do more to tie in Governor Dan McKee with Biden. And if, if they can tie in any Republican to President Trump, then I don't understand why it's so difficult to tie in both Seth Magaziner and Governor McKee to tie them in to President Biden. But on this Wednesday, October 12th, the Fung Magaziner race is right now leaning Fung. He's in a very good position. First debate next week. Ashley Kalis, we're going to see. We need to see more polls. But last night, she basically came out and said, Hold on. This race is not over. Folks, it's John DePietro. I will be doing Facebook Live later. In the meantime, enjoy this beautiful Wednesday. You can reach me on the website, DePietro.com. Thank you to JR. And stand by for the 2 o'clock news.